Episode 775. The NFL Combine begins on Tuesday, so consider this our preview episode. We call upon Jeff Risden of RealGM.com to discuss prospects at the big event taking place in Indianapolis. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, and we're getting ready for the NFL Combine. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Jeff Risden of RealGM.com, as well as the USA Today Sports Network. Mr. Risden, how are you? It is great to be back with you. Get to talk some Combine. It's always fun, uh, and I get to talk to you from the other side of Lake Michigan, so... Uh, it's always good to talk to the people that, that live on the other side of the pond. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Jeff, with the NFL Combine coming up, our conversation will rely heavily on the prospects on display this week. And I've kind of come up with a theme that may ultimately not come to fruition. But I think it's worth discussing because you've done the All-Star Game circuit and you've seen these players at the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl. But the Green Bay Packers recently hired Tim McGarrigal of Illinois as an assistant coach. So I wanted to look at a couple fighting Illini prospects because I think McGarrigal can provide the Packers with a pretty good scouting report. But, I mean, these guys are also at the Combine. So we'll start with Dwayne Smoot, a defensive end from Illinois who was at the Senior Bowl. How do you think he fits into a defense? Yeah, I think he's a 4-3 defensive end, much more than a 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, he lost some weight this past year uh, for Illinois. He, he was at like 260, 265 as a junior and played really well, was an impact pass rusher, uh, playing more with the, you know, sort of the heavy-handed edge. Uh, he went down to about 255 uh, and lost the strength, and he really lost the ability to do anything but go around the outside. And uh, when when... When opponents figured that out, he was pretty easy to block. He's also a guy who, once he's blocked, he stays blocked. So I'm not sure that he's a, a great prospect. Uh, maybe if he can swim back down into the 250 range, you know, 245, 250. Uh, remember, he, he got to Illinois, he was 215 pounds. So he, he's added a whole bunch. Uh, in theory, he could probably lose some of that and, and get quicker where he could play that, that outside linebacker rush linebacker role uh, for the Packers. But he's, uh, he's, a, he's a middle-round guy. He, he sort of had a lot of hype at the beginning of the year, and then his play sort of <laughs> killed the hype uh, where you know he was considered a first or maybe a second-round pick. Uh, and now he's a fourth, fifth-round type guy. He could have a good week in Indianapolis. I, I actually think he's going to show pretty well in the explosion drills, you know, the, the, the broad jump, the vertical jump, stuff like that. Uh, which could prop his stock back up. But he's, he's, he's a guy, ideally in the NFL, he's your third guy in the rotation there. All right, all right. We'll keep tabs on him. Similar question on Carol Phillips, who was also at the Senior Bowl. How does he fit into a defense, and how does he differ from a player like Smoot? Yeah, he's smaller. He, he's only about 235 pounds. I think he was 237 when he weighed in. He, he's a guy, he, he played primarily uh, off the ball. 
Uh, and they moved him to rush end, and he, he's, he's just so quick with his first step. You know, he, he's, he's a very interesting passer. He's actually a better all-around football player than Smoot is. He doesn't get the credit for it. Uh, some of it is the fact that he's, he's bounced around a little bit. He does have some legal issues in his past. He started at Cincinnati uh, and wound up transferring out of there because they weren't going to let him play. Uh, if you know anything about the University of Cincinnati, if you get kicked out of there for, for trouble, uh, that, that's quite an accomplishment. <laughs> Uh, he is Luther Campbell of the Two Live Crew. That, that's his uncle. So he literally does have Uncle Luke. Okay. Uh, he, he, he's an interesting character. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a very powerful football player for his size. Uh, at, at six foot, I think he was six foot three and two hundred thirty-seven pounds, which is an, an odd fit for a, a three-four defense. Uh, it, it's almost one of those deals where he, he sort of seems. I'm not comparing him at all in any way to Carl Bradford, but the, the kind of guy who was an outside force who would kind of move inside in a Green Bay defense uh, and be an interior rush blitzer. He does have some experience doing that. Uh, so if you're looking at him, he's, he's again, if he if he properly answers the questions about his off-field and, and you know, why he was only really good for one year, uh, I, I think he can actually get drafted a little bit ahead of Smoot. But uh, he, he's got some things that he does have to clear up there. Huh, very interesting. I didn't know some of those things about him. Finally, I'm curious about Hardy Nickerson, who you not only saw at the Shrine game, he's the son of a former Packers linebacker. Do you think he'll be able to follow in his father's footsteps? Man, I, I, I would really like to say yes, but he's he's really small. Uh, when when I was down at the Shrine game watching him, I actually thought he was a safety. He, he's, he's tiny. Uh, he's probably 200 and He'll probably weigh 230 pounds at his workout. He played in, in the low 220s, and it, it, it really showed at the Shrine game. He's one of those guys where I watched practice every day, and I, honestly, I, I took zero notes on him because I had no idea he was there. Just a total, you know, not an impact player at all. Uh, he doesn't have any of his father's bulk, uh, which is unfortunate. He, he, he does, and if you watch him on film, he's definitely smart, has the high football IQ, but at his size, I mean, it's, it, it's a tough sell for him to get drafted. Interesting. All right, Jeff, moving on from the Illinois talk. I want to talk a little bit about cornerbacks, which would appear to be a position of need for the Green Bay Packers. Let's start with the players who you think absolutely will not be available by the time the Packers pick in the twenty, you know, the 29th overall selection of the first round. Who's not going to be there for the Packers? I shouldn't worry about watching too much film over. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about Marshawn Lattimore from Ohio State. He's going to be gone, I would guess, in the top ten. And uh, T. Sabor out of Florida. There's some question where he's going to go, but I, I, it would be surprising if he's there. Uh, and also, he's another guy that, that has some interesting background information which might disqualify him from, from Green Bay's you know personnel sort of qualifications. But he, he's a really talented guy that I think is going to test well enough that he's not going to be there either. Uh, and the rest of the guys, there's a whole group that, that fits in that sort of 20 to 50 overall range, and that's a sweet spot for the Packers. Interesting. What 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 are the uh, questionable things about T. Sabor? I'm not familiar with that either. Uh, he's He's got the reputation for not exactly being the easiest guy to coach uh, or, or take to coaching. Uh, he's had some teammates that have – he's had some scuffles with some teammates in practice. Uh, and, and I want to say it's not anything like malicious. He's just – Super, super competitive, okay. uh, and and doesn't always know when know when to dial it down, uh, and and you know guys like that can be really really beneficial to a team, 
but uh, in the wrong locker room, they, they can be a real problem. So yeah. that's one of those deals where you've got to have the leadership structure in place and understand what you're getting with him as a very spirited guy, sort of like DeMarcus Cousins uh, in basketball, just to cross sports analogies. He's a fantastic talent, but you gotta you got to know where that leash is. Yeah, yeah, interesting. A lot of work for the uh, front office executives and uh, the interviews this week to get behind uh, all that kind of information. All right, Jeff, so we talked about the guys who will not be available who is at the top of your list, uh, you know, basically beyond Lattimore and Tabor that the Packers should be interested in, you know, at, at 29 overall? Yeah, I'll give you two guys. Uh, Sidney Jones out of Washington, really long corner, very good with the ball in the air, incredible ball skills, uh, uses his length very well. The problem is he's six foot two, and he probably is going to weigh about 180 pounds, and that's going to be up from his playing weight. Uh, he is not a powerful guy, uh, so you know the, the, there's there's questions with that. He the, he is a good tackler, however, off the edge and, and a pretty willing guy in run support. So he's a, an option uh, if you're looking for for just pure athletic ability and a long guy. Marlon Humphrey out of Alabama, uh, former track star. He's going to light up the combine. He's he's probably going to be among the, the best at the forty. Uh, he was actually more of a distance, uh, a 100 and 200 guy, sort of like Jordan Nelson was in high school, uh, where his speed really kicked in later. But uh, he, he's got some very impressive tape uh, playing with Alabama. You know he was well coached by Nick Saban. Uh, he does give up some big plays. He, he doesn't always uh, have the best eyes. But uh, in terms of athletic potential, he, he's a really good one. And, uh, you know, speaking, as you know, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I, he's the guy that I would worry about uh, because he's, uh, as a Lions fan in coverage, because he's a guy who can really make things happen. He can he can come across the field uh, and sense things like that to to make the play on a, a you know jump in front of a slant route and take it to the house. Uh, he he's very dangerous at that sort of thing. I've always wondered what why maybe do do you think he never played safety like his father? Does does he have what it takes to play in the NFL at the cornerback position? You know, that, that's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him play sort of that hybrid cornerback safety role, you know, where, where he's an outside corner, and then when, when the other team goes big, uh, you know, you move him inside or, or move him off the ball uh, and let him range a little bit. Uh, I, I, I tend to think that, that Alabama has had a pretty good run of safeties at the moment uh, where they, they probably needed him more at corner. Yeah. Uh, they had Eddie Jackson there who moved from corner to safety and probably needs to move back to corner at the NFL because he's just too small and frail to play safety. Uh, you never question Nick Saban for what he's doing for college, but he doesn't always put his guys in the best NFL light. Yeah, interesting debate, uh, to say the least. Um, uh, Jeff, what, what do you make of the recent reports of Ole Miss quarterback Chad Kelly being allowed to talk to teams at the NFL Combine but not being allowed to work out. I can't figure out why any NFL team would even want to talk to him at this point, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he has some impressive moments. He beat Alabama uh, and played very well against Alabama last year in, in a game they ultimately lost. This guy has been trouble going back to his junior year of high school. Uh, he, he, he just doesn't have his head in the right place to, to trust him to lead an NFL team. Uh, he does have an incredible arm talent. I, I will never question his ability to throw a pass. I'll, I'll question his ability to do everything else required of a quarterback. Uh, he's shown no propensity to do that. He, he showed up at the Senior Bowl, uh, was invited there, and did talk to teams there. Uh, it, it's 
interesting to me that he wants to, you know, show up and, and crash the party. The biggest knock on him is that he's, that he's immature and doesn't understand, you know, what it takes to, to be a quarterback. Well, he's showing up uninvited to a, a job interview. That's not exactly the best way to project maturity. So, I, you know, I, he's, I, I doubt he gets drafted. Uh, I know that, that, that some people, you know, high up the draft media food chain will, will tell you he's a, a third or fourth round pick. Bill Foley thinks he's the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, so, you know, there is definitely intrigue, but, you know, wait for your pro day. Wait for, wait for individual teams to call you uh, and, and not waste the other team's time would be my advice to, to Mr. Kelly. Yeah, of course, the nephew of Hall of Famer Jim Kelly. Uh, that's the why he gets so much attention, uh, part of it at least. So uh, interesting case there. Uh, Jeff, finally, before we let you go, just a little prediction here. Who do you think is going to be the workout warrior of the NFL Combine, the player that's going to wow us with his 40 time or the bench press or the jumps or the shuttles or just throwing the football, whatever it might be, who, who's going to stand out? Uh, Miami tight end David Njoku is going to be a freak. Uh, if you're on Twitter, he posted a picture of himself shirtless running. Uh, it's exactly what you want to see if you're trying to, to draft an athletic specimen. He's going to wow the 40. He, he can bench press, uh, I've heard, over 30 times at 225. Just a phenomenal athlete. He's going to tear it up. Jabril Peppers out of Michigan is a guy. Uh, other than his short shuttle, which I don't think is going to be very good, he's going to run in the four threes. He's going to test extremely well. His explosive scores and, and the jumps are, are going to be definitely must-watch TV because he's a phenomenal athlete as well. Very cool. I'm excited to watch all of it. Uh, thanks so much, Jeff, for all, all the background you provide on these guys. It, it's among the best in in the uh, among the NFL draft analysts. So thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate Glad to have you back on the show, and we'd love to have you on again. My pleasure. Anytime, Brian. All right. Take care. Jeff Risden of Real GM joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, what's going on in our Packers news segment. The NFL announced the compensatory draft picks awarded to all NFL teams this past Friday, and the Green Bay Packers specifically received an extra fifth-round selection. They, of course, got this selection from losing cornerback Casey Hayward in free agency last season, a player that went on to have a very good year for the San Diego Chargers. The choice the Packers received was the 39th selection in the fifth round, and it makes it the 182nd selection overall, which was not unexpected. If you follow the projections of Nick Corte at OverTheCap.com, who we've had as a guest on the show multiple times, the fifth round pick is exactly what he projected. And unfortunately for the Packers, the loss of quarterback Scott Tolzien in free agency, who ended up signing with the Indianapolis Colts, that finished just outside the 32 picks awarded to teams across the NFL. So the Packers were really close to being awarded an extra 7th round pick, but the NFL caps it off at 32 compensatory picks overall, uh, the equivalent of basically one extra round. So even though it's a 7-round draft, you could basically think of it as an 8-rounder in terms of the overall number of picks being taken um in the history 
of compensatory picks, which have been awarded since the start of modern free agency in the NFL back in 1994. The Packers now have the second most comp picks of all time with 38 uh, 38 of them trailing only the 48 of the Baltimore Ravens. So the Packers know that compensatory pick equation quite well, uh, knowing that when they lose a player, uh, if they don't sign anybody, they get some picks, and only the Baltimore Ravens do it better. Uh, I believe it's the Dallas Cowboys who right behind the Packers with 37 compared to the Packers' 38. So it is really close, uh, but the Packers really know how to get some bang for the buck, so to speak, or, or the, the lack of bucks, I guess, because that, that includes not signing players in free agency is how you get these draft picks. It's interesting um, how that works. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Packers getting the extra fifth-round pick. And it's worth noting that this is the first year in which teams can trade compensatory draft picks coming up in this upcoming NFL draft, uh, which is also why uh, this was the earliest the league has announced the selections ever. They used to do it at the uh, annual spring owners meeting, if you remember in years past. But now that they can be traded, it appears uh, the league wanted to get it done before the NFL Combine, basically when trades talks start to take place, when, when all 32 teams are basically in the same city uh, at the same time uh, and they have the opportunity to, you know, maybe not get serious about trade talks, but, you know, kind of, you know, begin trade talks and things like that. If there's players they want to move, they can kind of start to put together a framework for a trade uh, and then probably, you know, continue talks as the draft gets closer. So a little bit interesting news there. But in other news, uh, the Packers also on Friday announced the hiring of Matt Malaspina, as a college scout, he comes to the Packers from the San Francisco 49ers, where he spent the previous 11 years, including the last three, as their director of college scouting. So the Packers are getting a highly experienced scout who has held a higher position than many of his peers in the NFL. Uh, his time in San Francisco, of course, came to an end when the 49ers fired general manager Trent Baalke and that regime and ended up hiring John Lynch and basically brought in a whole new crew, you know, from from the coaching staff to the scouting staff to, you know, pretty much just about everybody there. Um, so uh, appropriately, the Packers hired Malaspina before the start of the NFL Combine so he can get to work on evaluating this year's draft class in a Packers capacity. Obviously, I'm sure he had a very broad knowledge uh, of the work that would be ahead of him uh, back when he worked for the 49ers, but now he'll uh, hone in in a different capacity with the Green Bay Packers. So and that happening right before the start of the NFL Combine. I imagine Malaspina will be in Indianapolis this week. Uh, nobody has told me that, uh, but, but I think we can probably safely assume that uh, for the Green Bay Packers. 
that's about all like is during the off season about all the Packers news I have uh, stuff that broke over the weekend or last Friday after our last episode of Railbird Central. Uh, so I just wanted to take time to answer basically one question here today from a listener uh, on Twitter here. I've been taking questions for the past uh, pretty much ever since the season ended when we have time to do this and there's a little bit less to talk about. it. got a question from Robert Stemsky. That's username Bob Bruce on Twitter who's given us several suggestions for discussion topics here on the show. He asks, which second-year player do you think will make the biggest jump this year? And Robert, I've got three candidates for you. Uh, I'll go through them all here. The candidates, uh, I'll pick one and really focus on that, but here's all the names I kind of came up with. Uh, Wide receiver Geronimo Allison, safety Kentrell Bryce, linebacker Blake Martinez, and and then I've got one really under-the-radar player that could make the biggest jump, and that's offensive lineman Kyle Murphy, who barely played at all in 2016. He was the kind of guy who was, you know, frequently on the on the game day inactive list. He did play in, like, a handful of games, uh, like maybe two of them. Uh, but anyway, so so even for him, just playing a modest role in 2017 would count as a big jump. Uh, but I'm not sure he plays a a huge role. Uh, but you know, even you know, just a modest jump would be a good thing for him as as a former seventh round draft pick. But so anyway, uh, he's kind of the under the radar kind of guy. But but if I had to choose one player, I'd go with. To answer this question, who's going to make the biggest second-year jump? I'm going to go with wide receiver Geronimo Allison. And kind of in preparation for this question, I just briefly wanted to look up Allison's stats uh, from this past season. And they kind of surprised me. I guess I knew them in the back of my mind, but didn't really think about them all that hard until now. But here's, and this is only regular season statistics, so not counting the playoffs, but here's, Here was Geronimo Allison's production in 2016. 12 catches, 202 yards, and two TDs. It kind of surprised me that it wasn't more. He only had 12 catches? It it felt like more, didn't it? Maybe that's because he came on so strongly at the end. Of course, he wasn't even on the 53-man roster to begin the season. He began the year on the practice squad. And then after several weeks, uh, may have been after the Packers released uh, Jared Aberderis, at, at some point they, they promoted Allison to the active roster. And, and then slowly, you know, it took him a few weeks to even get involved at all. Uh, but then at midseason or so, started getting some playing time and then really picked it up toward the end of the year. Uh, you know, especially when a guy like uh, Randall Cobb was out hurt uh, the Packers needed some receiving options toward the end of the year, and Allison really stepped up. I think he had the one, was it the game against the Detroit Lions? There was one game there uh, that he really kind of broke out and 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 ha- had several catches. And, we, you know, we talked about this during the season. I thought it was so impressive. The rapport he built with Aaron Rodgers and, and basically such a short amount of time 
uh, I thought was really impressive considering all the things working against him. The fact that, you know, he went undrafted, first of all. He was an undrafted free agent. And, you know, the, the Packers and I think most NFL teams kind of, you know, they, they prioritize their draft picks a little bit. Uh, they certainly give everybody an opportunity, but uh, I think your draft picks are probably going to, in the beginning, get more opportunities than the undrafted guys. Uh, but he works through that to finally get on the roster. And, and, you know, when he finally gets playing time, it just looked like Geronimo Allison knew what he was doing out there. You didn't see a lot of those rookie mistakes you didn't see a lot of drop balls. You didn't see a lot of blown plays where it looks like he, you know, he's running a different route than Rodgers is throwing to. Or if that happened, it only happened just uh, so few amount of times that, you know, obviously that happens to everyone once in a while. It, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers aren't always on the same page. They are a lot of the time because they've been working together for so long. But it really did look like Geronimo Ellison has, you know, really took advantage of his practice time and knew what he was doing and was in the right spot at the right time and was able to read coverages and know where to go and uh, was in the right place, settled into the right zone. All those kind of things a wide receiver should do, he did. So I just think, you know, it's it's going to be tough for him uh, because uh, there's there is a lot of players ahead of him on the depth chart guys who have been around longer that you don't think are going anywhere like Jordy Nelson like Randall Cobb like Devontae Adams they're all going to get their shot and of course you know making a big jump does assume for all any player I would have named that they are staying healthy um, but I, I do think if Jaron Wilson stays healthy you're going to see pr the the production increase from the 12 catches you're going to see the production increase from the two touchdowns. I mean, it's it's 2017 in the NFL. You know, if we were talking the 1980s, the number four wide receiver on the depth chart, you know, barely got involved. But it's it's now 2017, and the number four wide receiver for any NFL team in the day and age of the NFL where they pass the ball a ton you know, the fourth wide receiver can be pretty darn productive. I mean, just think about the years where, like, James Jones was the fourth wide receiver on the roster, and he'd have, like, eight TDs or things like that. I think Geronimo Allison is, is capable of that kind of production for the Packers. But, yeah, I, I think uh, on the defensive side, Kentrell Bryce might be able to make a jump. He He would probably, on the defensive side, be the guy... I could see making the biggest jump. Uh, Blake Martinez, I think, could. And it certainly, for a guy like Martini, Martinez, it would could simply be a product of him staying healthy. You know, he got injured or whatever it was, week 10, I believe, and then barely played down the stretch. So, you know, his statistics would have looked a whole lot better had he just been on the field more and making more tackles and potentially making more plays. So... Um, but yeah, all those guys, I think have an opportunity to do so. If I had to pick the one I'm going with Geronimo Wilson to make the biggest jump, but certainly, uh, one of several candidates for that title, uh, of player who will make the biggest jump as a second year player in 2017. I hope even more players, uh, join that group as well. The guys who are on the practice squad, things like that. Would nice to see them all make a big jump, but I think Ron Wilson has the 
best chance for the Green Bay Packers. All right, next segment. The day ahead. All right, you might not even notice it because players don't start working out until Friday, but the NFL Combine actually starts on Tuesday when the first group of players begin arriving in Indianapolis. Because there's over 300 players invited to the NFL Combine, they stagger their arrivals so they don't all come at once. So day one arrivals on Tuesday include running backs, offensive linemen, and special teams players, kickers, punters, long snappers, stuff like that. Um, The first day of the combine is pretty uneventful. Here, in case you were wondering, here's the schedule for players arriving for the combine on day one. So that would be February 28th. Uh, Here's their schedule. Registration, orientation, hospital pre-exam and x-rays, overflow testing, and interviews. (laughs) So now you understand why there's very little media coverage of those proceedings. But as far as the Green Bay Packers go, they'll be involved in the interview process on Tuesday, getting to know the players on a personal level. And once again, it's only the running backs, offensive linemen, and specialists. I believe the day two arrivals who would be there starting on Wednesday would be the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. And then a lot of the defensive players come, you know, day three, day four, uh, as things move on. So there you go. Uh, That's what's happening on Tuesday in Indianapolis. Um, I'm willing to bet that uh, teams like uh, the the Green Bay Packers, the coaches, the scouts, they're probably all traveling to Indianapolis today, Uh, maybe even getting in town by tonight and staying overnight in a hotel so they're ready uh, there on Tuesday uh, when when the players arrive and stuff like that. then they can interview players. Uh, that, that kind of thing happens at during the nighttime, basically. They allow the players to take care of their business during the day, whether, you know, day one, it's simply arrival and orientation. You know, they go to the hospital, they do their medical checks and all that. And then at night, uh, the players have the opportunity to meet with teams, meet with scouts meet with coaches, meet with front office executives like general managers and uh, directors of player personnel, all those kind of things. Um, and, so, and so that happens during the nighttime. So beginning Tuesday night, the Packers will start uh, being able to interview some of these players and some of these guys in Indianapolis. So That's basically on the docket all the rest of the week. It'll be heavy NFL combine talk this week here on Railbird Central. And even next week, Monday at this time, will be the last day of the NFL combine. So we'll still be talking about it then. Uh, Got a lot to talk about, all the workouts that take place. I'm sure we'll be talking about 40 times and the players that kind of jump off the page and post real fast times, things like that. Excited to see it all take place this week, and and we're just getting underway, so there's more to talk about later this week, and that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central, but we do air every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. 
so stay tuned for more coverage the rest of the week. Uh, my call to action uh, today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash Madison, spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K, Madison like the city. Uh, we're not open yet, uh, but when we do open the doors, we hope to uh, reach people by social media so they're there and ready uh, to buy some beer <laughs> and drink drink some good craft beer when we open our doors. So thanks. Give us a follow if you can. We'd greatly appreciate it. That's it, folks. Have a good Monday. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. On behalf of everybody here at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caravu. I leave you today with a song called Susanna by 30 Decibels on Psy Fidelity Records. We'll see you, everyone. Go, pack, go. If I can find the song here.